right, we'll go ahead and get started. This is Commission President Sam Cho convening the special meeting of April 18th, 2023. The time is now 12.04 p.m. We're meeting in person today at the Seattle-Tacoma International Airport Conference Center and virtually via Microsoft Teams. Clerk Hart, please call the roll of commissioners in attendance. Thank you. Beginning with Commissioner Calkins. I am here. Thank you. Commissioner Cho. Present. Thank you. Commissioner Fellerman is absent and excused from this meeting today. Commissioner Hasegawa. Present. Thank you. And Commissioner Mohammed. Present. Thank you. We do have a quorum established here today. Excellent. Thank you. And I'd just really quickly like to note that Commissioner Fellerman is in Washington, D.C., I believe, on behalf of the port. So he's not playing hooky. Uh, a few housekeeping items before we begin. For everyone in the meeting room, please turn off your turn your cell phones to silent. For anyone participating on Microsoft Teams, please mute your speakers when not actively speaking or presenting. Please keep your cameras off unless you are a member of the commission or executive director participating virtually, or you are a member of staff in a presentation and are actively addressing the commission. Members of the public addressing the commission during the public comment may turn on their cameras when their name is called to speak and will turn them back off again at the conclusion of the remarks. For anyone here at the dais today, please turn off the speakers on any computers and silence your devices. Please also remember to address your request to be recognized to speak through the chair and to wait to speak until you have been recognized. You'll turn your microphones on and off as needed. All the items noted here will ensure a smoother meeting, so we thank you in advance. All votes today will be taken by roll call method so that it's clear for anyone participating virtually how votes are cast. Commissioners will say aye or nay when their name is called. We are meeting on the ancestral lands and waters of the Coast Salish people, with whom we share a commitment to steward these natural resources for future generations. This meeting is being digitally recorded and may be viewed or heard at any time on the port's website and may be rebroadcast by King County Television. Now please stand with me to jo and join us for the Pledge of Allegiance. Great. Okay. So the first item of business today is the approval of the agenda. As a reminder, if a commissioner wishes to comment for or against an item on the consent agenda, it isn't necessary to pull it from the consent agenda. Rather, a commissioner may offer supporting or opposing comments once the motion to approve the consent agenda is on the floor and before the vote is taken. However, if a commissioner wants to take questions of staff or wishes to take a dialogue, to have a dialogue on a consent agenda item, it is appropriate to request that item to be pulled for a separate discussion. Are there any items to be pulled from the consent agenda or any motions to rearrange the orders of the day? All right. Commissioners, the question is now on the approval of the agenda. Is there a motion to approve the agenda? So moved. Seconded. Excellent. The motion has been made and seconded. Is there any objection to approval of the agenda as presented? Hearing none, the agenda is approved. The next um, item on our agenda is the executive director's report. Executive Director Metric, you have the floor. Good afternoon, commissioners. I want to start off by wishing everyone a happy Earth Day, which takes place this Saturday, April 22nd. Of course, we work to make every day Earth Day at the Port of Seattle by leaning into sustainability in everything that we do. From our green corridor to our sustainable aviation fuel efforts to the use of a sustainable evaluation framework for our capital projects. In the honor of Earth Day, we will be presenting later today about our Sustainable Century Agenda Award winners. 
These awards recognize our, our customers, tenants, nonprofits, and partners for outstanding accomplishments in the areas of environment and sustainability. Turning to Maritime, I want to make sure that we congratulate everyone involved in Saturday's launch of the 2023 cruise season. In concert with the first sailing of the year, we held a media availability with a number of partners, including labor, large and small businesses, tourism organizations, who all spoke to the significant economic impact that the cruise has on our regional economy. We were also able to emphasize our commitment to global, global leadership in increasing the sustainability of cruise operations. In particular, my thanks to our team that put a lot of hours to get us ready for the season. That includes uh, staff from Maritime, External Relations, Security, and our Port of Seattle Police Department, who coordinated all of the details to ensure a safe, efficient, and successful day and laid the groundwork for a successful season. Here at the airport, last week I had the opportunity to join Commissioner Fellman uh, as we celebrated the full renovation and reopening of our central terminal. The central terminal underwent a $21.8 million renovation to elevate the customer experience with more dining options, seating, charging stations, and ADA accessibility improvements. The project also restored the 350-foot-long, 60-foot-high window wall and added new rocking chairs to enjoy the airfield view. Uh, in total, the renovation added 11,000 square feet of dining and seating, including Marquee Salties at SEA, Brewtop Social, and a stunning Centurion Lounge by American Express. Congratulations to the airport and external relations staff who pulled off a fantastic media event, including a live show headlined by sub-pop artist uh, Shauna Sh Shepard. And if you were there, it was like having a concert right there in the, uh, in the central terminal, including some dancing as well. So it was great. Speaking of SEA dining options, Food & Wine magazine just released the list of their 10 best airports for food, as voted on by their readers. I'm pleased to share that SEA came in number seven out of the 10 restaurants mentioned in the article, and this included uh, Africa Lounge, Lulu Market, and Bar, and Tundra Taqueria. However, it should be noted that the ratings came out before the central terminal was completely open, so I expect that perhaps to move up in that rating. <laughs> Congratulations to our airport dining and retail team for this great recognition and their hard work in enabling that. And to all the, and to all the businesses and dining facilities that were mentioned. Moving to today's commission meeting, I already mentioned our environmental awards, but I'd like to also, also like to highlight the introduction of our language access plan order. As an international gateway, as well as a local government in one of the most diverse counties in the country, the port has an obligation to ensure that it, it that travelers, visitors, and staff throughout the world are able to navigate our facilities. We already do much to ensure translation and interpretation at the port, but we are excited to go beyond, uh, above and beyond for foreign language speakers and those who communicate using American Sign Language. I'll have more to say about this item later in the agenda. Commissioners, this concludes my report. Thank you for that report, Executive Director Metric. We are now on to committee reports. Erica Chung, Commission Strategic Advisor, has advised us that there are no reports since our last meeting. Are there any questions for Executive Director Metric? No? Okay, great. All right, we're moving along. Item number seven, we are now at the public comment section of our agenda. The Port Commission welcomes public comment as an important part of the public process. Comments are received and considered by the Commission in its deliberations. 
Before we take public comment, I want to review our rules for in-person and virtual public comment. Each com commentator will have two minutes to speak and should stay within the allotted time. <laughs> A timer will appear on the screen and buzzer will sound at the end of the two minute period for each speaker. You must limit remarks to topics related to the conduct of port business. These rules apply to introductory, including remarks. All remarks should be addressed to the commission as a body, not to individual commissioners. Disruptions of commission public meetings are prohibited. Disruptions include, but are not limited to the following. Refusal of a speaker to limit remarks to topics related to the conduct of court business, threats and abusive or harassing behavior and language, obscene language and gestures, refusal of a speaker to comply with the allotted time set for the individual speaker's public comment, leaving the podium or testimony table to physically approach commissioners or staff during one's public comment, provided speakers may offer written materials to the commission clerk, and any behavior that disrupts, disturbs, or otherwise impedes the meeting. Any disruption will result in a speaker's microphone being immediately shut off and warning or loss of speaking privileges or removal from the meeting, as provided in the commission bylaws. Written materials provided to the clerk will be included in today's meeting record. The clerk has a list of those who are prepared to speak. We are taking comments from anyone who has signed up to speak virtually as well as anyone who has joined us in the chambers. When I call on your name, if you, have, if you are joining us virtually, please unmute yourselves, then repeat uh, your name for the record and state your topic related to the conduct report business. If you're on the Teams meeting and at the same time streaming the meeting on the website, please mute the upstream to avoid feedback. If you are speaking from the room, please come to the testimony table, repeat the name for the record, and state your topic related to the conduct report business. All right, our first speaker is uh, Joaquin Wee. Joaquin, so actually, Hello. sorry, just can you hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you, but just a second, just to clarify, we don't have any in-person speakers, is that why I only have one list? That is correct, Okay. Yes. All right. We may have some from the room, so please do oh, still gotcha. call for that, yep. but no, well, nobody who has signed up in advance. Okay, great. Hey, Joaquin, go ahead and state your full name for the record in the topic uh, related to port business, and then we'll start the clock. Joaquin Wee in support of Order 202305. Good afternoon, Port Commissioners. My name is Joaquin Wee, as I mentioned, and I serve as the External Affairs Manager and Policy Advisor for the City of Seattle Office of Immigrant and Refugee Affairs, or OIRA. I'm currently on temporary FMLA leave from the office. However, I feel that speaking in support of Order 202305 is important enough to warrant my testimony today. In my more than eight years at OIRA, I've had the privilege of experiencing firsthand the transformative power of integrating language access policies and plans into the local government infrastructure. Six years ago, City of Seattle Executive Order 2017-10 was signed into existence, a mayoral directive that very much resembles the order you will be discussing today. Today, the city has moved toward a more centralized translation system that utilizes local professionals to translate critical city documents. My colleague Peggy Liao, the Citywide Language Access Program Coordinator, organizes city employees embedded in departments. These language access liaisons meet regularly to discuss best practices and how to integrate them into their department-wide language access plans. Also, outreach and engagement and communication staff better understand when and how to use translation and interpretation services in their work. And our work comes at a critical time in the evolution of our region. As you might know, in Seattle, as in King County, nearly one in four or 24 percent of inhabitants were born outside the U.S., significantly higher than the national average of 14 percent. With one in five Seattle residents speaking a language other than English at home and 8 percent of the city's population speaking limited English, the COVID-19 pandemic highlighted the stark disparities in access to key services 
and information for immigrant residents. Lastly, over the past few years, Washington State has consistently ranked in the top three of states receiving refugees, and I, of course, commend the port and their work to, ref to welcome refugees at SeaTac International Airport. I'm in full support of today's proposed language access order. As an immigrant myself and a 25-year resident of this region, I celebrate that Seattle is a welcoming city with a welcoming port and a welcoming state. But collectively, government institutions across the Pacific Northwest can and should always strive to do better. That's why I welcome any efforts from local government entities to strengthen language access accessibility. It's not just the right thing to do, but it's also good customer service. Thank you, and apologies for going over. Thank you, Joaquin. Appreciate you, uh, you joining us today. Mm -hmm. um, our next speaker is also virtual, Michael Woody. Michael? Great. Excellent. Okay. Michael, if you can could just, me? yes, we can. If you could just state your full name and your topic, and then we'll start the clock. Absolutely. Uh, good afternoon. My name is Michael Woody. Uh, I am a member of Visit Seattle, and I'm here today to uh, talk in support of the opening of the 2023 cruise season. Uh, cruise means a lot to Seattle, and we're excited that the season opened this past weekend. Some of the top-line projections really help to tell that story. Uh, 1.4 million revenue passengers, 900 million in local economic activity. And one of the highlights of cruise industry impact, it puts over 5,500 locals to work. Cruise clearly means a lot to Seattle, to our residents, and to the tourism economy. We're proud of our position in this market segment with Seattle ranking as one of the busiest U.S. hub for cruise and the primary U.S. embarkation port for Alaskan cruises. This year's cruise season is expected to be record in terms of passenger numbers, as you all know, and we're thrilled to see that continued growth. During the last intercept study that you completed in 2019, it found that over 73% of cruise passengers overnighted in Seattle, either before or after their cruise, to experience just a, more, just a little bit more of this amazing place that we call home. And we hope to continue growing that number. Our hope is that during their brief time in Seattle, cruise passengers will explore our city and get to sample some of our destination and what it has to offer. Through this, they will not only enhance their overall cruise experience, but it will entice them to come back and spend more time with us, exploring the attractions that we all love. Some of those include Pike Place Market, the Space Needle, the Museum of Pop Culture, Chihuly Garden and Glass, the Seattle Great Wheel, the Seattle Aquarium, and so much more. For our local restaurants serving the region's freshest seafood, to our neighborhood coffee shops, to our expansive parks and Seattle's many art and culture venues, there is a lot for visitors to discover here in the Emerald City, and Cruise is one of the best gateways to set that stage. So on behalf of Visit Seattle, we thank the Port of Seattle the cruise, and the cruise industry for your partnership, and we're excited about the 2023 cruise season. Thank you. Thank you very much, Michael. Our last uh, public commentator for today is uh, Heather Worthley. Heather? Thank you, Heather Worthley, in support of Order 2023-05. Good afternoon, commissioners. And thank you for bringing this language access order for port execution today. I'm the executive director of Port Jobs, at our Airport Jobs Employment Center, we note that 70% of 
of our community job seekers speak English as an additional language. Richly language diverse community members are the workers who fuel and clean the airplanes, move the baggage, and make your coffee and snack possible as you travel through our airport. Among our many employment and career advancement services at Port Jobs, we assist newly hired workers at the airport to prepare for the secure badge test, which is required for most airport employment and is delivered only in English. Working with certified interpreters to review security concepts in both English and language of origin, we see the value of language access support in action every day. In the last two months, we've assisted 85 immigrants and refugees in securing and passing the badge test that allows them to take their job at the airport. Um, as the port continues to welcome refugees and immigrants, we are very, very pleased and excited to see this great step forward in language access for port community members, customers, and port employees, as well as passengers. Thank you so much. Thank you, Heather. Appreciate you. Um, that concludes our signups for today. Is there anyone else present on the team's call or present in the room today who didn't sign up who wishes to address the commission? If so, please state and spell your name and state the topic related to the conduct of port business uh, of the port you wish to speak about for the record. All right, seeing none at this time, I'll ask the clerk to please give a synopsis of written comments received. Thank you, Mr. Commission President, members of the Commission, and Mr. Executive Director. We have received one written comment prior to our meeting today. Actually, make that two. We had another one come in after the deadline. Um, this has been distributed to you in advance of the meeting and will become a part of the public record. Written comment today comes from Michelle Smith, who writes regarding the importance of Tub Lake and the environment to native species and asked the Commission to make a statement of support for permanent protection of the entirety of North SeaTac Park and take steps toward protecting against commercial development of the land. And then the um, second written comment that came in after the deadline is in support of the language access order. And that too will be distributed after this meeting and become a part of the meeting record today. That concludes the written comments. Great. Thank you, Clerk Hart. Hearing no further public testimony, we will move on to the consent agenda. Items on the consent agenda are considered routine and will be adopted by one motion. Items removed from the consent agenda will be considered separately immediately after the adoption of the remaining consent agenda items. At this time, the chair will entertain a motion to approve the consent agenda covering items 8A, 8B, and 8C. So moved. Second. Great. The motion was made and seconded. Commissioners, please say aye or nay when your name is called. For approval of the consent agenda, beginning with Commissioner Hawkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hasegawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Four ayes, zero nays for this item. Excellent. The motion passes. All right. Are there any questions for staff at this time for commissioners? Oh, wait. Did I skip? Yes, I did. I'm sorry. Moving on in the agenda, we have one new business item today. Clerk Hart, please read the first item into the record. Thank you. This is agenda item 10A, order number 2023-05, an order of the Port of Seattle Commission to develop a language access policy and plan 
that ensures inclusion of non and limited English speakers, including those who are hard of hearing or deaf, in the use of port services and facilities, and the port-wide implementation of a plan directing divisions with publicly facing public services to offer language assistance services, including translation and interpretation. Commissioners, uh, as I said earlier, King County is one of the most diverse counties in the nation. With that comes many languages spoken by our customers, users, and employees. As a federally funded entity, we have certain regulatory obligations related to ensuring that non-English speakers and others who need translation and interpretation services can access our facilities and services. However, we are also committed to going above and beyond those requirements to ensure world-class customer service. This work will aid in our work this order will aid in our work towards ensuring equity at the port. And the presenters uh, this afternoon are Bukhtar Gesar, our Senior Director, Office of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion, and Tyler Emsky, Commission Office, Commission Office Strategic Advisor. So with that, I'll turn over to Bukta. Thank you, Executive Director Metric, and good afternoon, Commissioners. Uh, it's great to be with you here today, and I'm sorry that I'm not there in person and joining you virtually, but Tyler and I are presenting this item. Um, we've spent a lot of time together, commissioners, and I think we all agree that together we've been advancing very important and even historic work for the port and our communities, and today is no exception to that. In a moment, you'll hear from Tyler Emsky about the elements of the language access order, and w which will make, among other things, language access a permanent and ongoing commitment by the Port of Seattle. But before I hand it over to Tyler, I just want to talk a little bit about the significance of this order. Um, as Executive Director uh, Metric mentioned, this order, of course, highlights the mandates of Title VI, Civil Rights Act of 1964, which requires recipients of federal financial grants and assistance to make reasonable steps to make their programs, services, and activities accessible um, to all eligible persons with limited English proficiency. And as you might be aware, the FAA has just launched a mandatory, very robust Title VI annual plan, which includes a report about the provision of language services at the airport. Um, so there's a lot of attention being given nationally to how language access can be made available much more systematically. But this order allows us to go beyond these mandates and implement with our commitment to equity. All five of you have been deeply involved in our communities for years. Some of you are immigrants and grew up in, or grew up in immigrant families and communities. You know the diversity of our communities and diversity of uh, the port communities. And you know that for many of our immigrant and refugee communities, information and opportunities are not as accessible as those who speak um, English. And all of us are aware that our communities in King County have been changing very rapidly. Um, we've becoming a more racially and ethnically diverse community. In fact, in 2020, it was documented that almost 24% of King County residents are foreign born. And in the latest stats from Seattle School District, it looks like 154 languages are spoken by families in Seattle School District. 
And I know several of you, two of you live in South Seattle and South King County. And a zip code 98118 is known as one of the most diverse zip codes in the United States. And in Taquila, over 80 languages are spoken. So this is really uh, a significant issue across King County in, for many of our communities. It's truly a gift for all of us, I believe, to live in King County and enjoy all of this beautiful diversity and to be exposed to cultures that most other people have never heard of. Um, I know that one of our speakers mentioned that immigrant workers are at the airport doing a lot of important work. I want to add that immigrants are also among many of the leaders of this organization, our commissioners, our senior directors of Office of Equity, directors of finance. Many, many positions at the Port of Seattle are held by immigrants and people who were raised to be bilingual and have been exposed to multilingual communities. As we continue to learn in uh, lean into our values of anti-racism and equity, an important part of this effort is creating a welcoming, inclusive, and accessible space, opportunities, and communications. For years, many of our employees have led the efforts to advance language access especially through our external relations department and our communications and customer experience teams. These folks have worked really hard to translate materials, to secure interpreters and translators, and to make information and engagement culturally relevant. I want to acknowledge all of their work and to really thank them here um, and um, hope that we continue to collaborate with them. In many ways, these employees have laid the foundation for this order. We are leaning on the expertise of what port employees have already been doing, and we're relying on partnerships with other local governments like the city of Seattle and King County. And I want to mention that we've already been working with the city, with the city and the county to really look closely at the policies they have for reimbursement of employees when they're used for translators and interpreters and their best practices. So with this order, our goal is the inclusion of non and limited English speakers, um, also those who are um, deaf or hard of hearing in the use of port services, facilities, and engagement. This order will help us create uniformity and consistently consistency across our organization so that whenever members of the community interact and engage with any port service or department, they're able to fully access opportunities and information. Thank you, commissioners, for leading the way and prioritizing this important work. I'm going to turn it over to Tyler to review the elements of the order for us here. Thank you, Bupta. And uh, good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, starting with just a little bit more historical context, uh, external relations has indeed been working on language access considerations on the port's main website since a major overhaul in 2018. Uh, external relations made another accessibility upgrade to the website in 2022. Uh, also in 2022, Commissioner Mohammed instructed staff to draft a language access order to formalize and expand our work on improving language access portwide. Uh, an initial draft was presented to the Equity and Workforce Development Committee on September 30th of last year. 
and we made several rounds of edits based on uh, this committee feedback and input we received from separate commissioner briefings and staff engagement, including an ELT presentation. Next slide, please. This commission order directs the executive to develop a port-wide policy on language access. This policy shall be informed by a thorough review of the port's practices and publicly facing documents. The Office of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion and External Relations will be supporting port departments in this work and will develop a guidance manual that departments will use to create and or update annual language access plans. Next slide, please. Per the direction of Commissioner Mohammed, these language access plans are to consider the needs of people who communicate using American Sign Language. Uh, this order also sets a deadline for the completion of our policy work to fairly compensate port employees who provide translation services outside of their usual uh, job duties or job description. Next slide, please. So this is a little small up here, but uh, this slide is a visualization of the implementation timeline for this work. We kind of got several different buckets and, and responsibilities that are assigned in the order. Uh, as you can see, there are basically two key deadlines. Uh, February 29th of next year for the completion of the departmental assessments, uh, the completion of the language access guidance manual, and a report back to the commission on the findings of the departmental assessments. Then by January 1st of 2025, all departments are to have their finalized budgeted language access plans in place. Uh, you will also notice that external, external relations is to conduct a prioritized self-assessment of their own communications so that more of the most important external facing communications are made accessible to those who don't speak English by January 2024. So one year uh, sooner than the rest of the uh, port departments. And next slide. Thank you for your time. That's, that's the brief presentation we have. And I'll now turn it back over to Bukta for any final comments. And questions. Yeah, I would just thank you, Tyler. I would add that Guadalupe Torres on the OEDI team will be the person in charge of implementing this assessment and bringing a final uh, report back to you for your review and a policy for future implementation uh, in a year. We're really looking forward to this work and um, uh, opening up for any of your questions or feedback. Great, thank you so much, Buta and Tyler, for the presentation. Are there any questions for staff at this time from commissioners? We'll begin with Commissioner Mohammed. Thank you for the time. Um, I don't have any questions for uh, staff, but I do want to uh, thank you all uh, who worked on this order. Uh, Tyler, Director Gazar, Executive Director Metric, um, and just so many port staff who already work on this issue and that um, ensuring that we have equal access to information for the public. I know that is a priority of many port staff members and what this order really does is it streamlines that, it, it makes it concrete and um, allows us to have um, processes in place that are similar across the port, both Title II and Title VI of the American uh, with Disability Act mandates that government agencies like the Port of Seattle provide equal opportunity to access government services, programs, and activities. And this order just ensures that that equal access under the law is um, provided and that allows us to provide good customer service 
and communication across the port. Um, you know, I, I served on the Workforce uh, Development and Equity Committee where this order comes out of, um, but also even just serving on the Aviation Committee, um, I, I, there was a lot of issues that we tackled around ground transportation. And, you know, if we had an order similar to this or a policy in place, I think it would have made some of our taxi issues yep. a little more easier to deal with, which is one of the most, um, I would say, controversial issues for the Port of Seattle. And at times, I wish we had a language access policy in place that would have just made that process a little easier for all of us. And so um, by having a policy like this in place, I, I do believe it will um, make it a little easier for our departments to engage with community members who um, maybe English is not their first language. And also for those who are, you know, um, trying to partner with the port who are have disabilities and want to um, access our port facilities, um, this, this, this order will also improve that. And so I am looking forward to uh, my colleagues supporting this, this order today and also the, the policy that comes out of it in the future. Thank you for the time. Excellent. Anyone else? Commissioner Azagawa. Um, I just have some comments and then a request at the end. Um, you know, once again, the Port of Seattle um, is a factor in the national conversation. The trends that we are observing demographically here at home in King County is a microcosm for what's happening in Washington State and nationwide. So minority populations, immigrants and refugees, they are arriving, they are growing um, exponentially. And um, that is a, a trend that we're going to continue to observe. And as we embrace this, um, uh, this, this trend and we identify strategies to better serve diverse uh, and diverse speaking communities, we're actually identifying strategies that can be, uh, we're paving the way for other jurisdictions to be able to look to us um, for what works and lessons learned. So this is a really important step uh, equity work, generally speaking, we've said it many times, it's not a one-off, it's not a single investment, it's not one program, it has to proliferate throughout the institution, as does um, language access. So this is something in this order that we're going to see um, begin to um, be lived and breathed through every department um, in every aspect of the institution. Uh, I'm really proud of how diverse this workforce is, um, and, uh, and including of this commission. We have four bilingual commissioners, right? Um, and I think it just sort of speaks to the magnitude of, of the diversity. My request um, comes, from, comes from this, is that there's a difference between a most commonly spoken language and limited English proficiency. So, for example, um, even though Tagalog may be the third most commonly spoken Asian language in Washington state, it has a proficiency rate of 66.7%. That means 66.7% uh, of the people who speak Tagalog also identify as speaking English very well. Uh, Hindi is the fifth most commonly spoken Asian language in Washington state, but 84.69% of Hindi speakers also identify as speaking English very well. Um, and this is based upon Census 2020 and American Community Survey 2020 data. Uh, this um, just nods to how we make decisions about 
resources uh, because uh, they are not infinite and we do have to make decisions about translation interpretation services and so my request to staff is that as you're um, making an assessment is that you're not just taking into account um, the most commonly spoken languages but you're also bringing in an accounting specifically into limited English proficiency and the other context that I want to provide for the body is that um, limited English proficiency and poverty are linked. And both of these things, limited English proficiency and poverty, are social determinants of health. So this is very important work. I'm pleased to see it come up today. Um, thank you so much. Thank you, Commissioner Hazakawa. Commissioner Calkins. Thank you, Chair Cho. Um, just a couple of comments uh, in support of, of this um, order. The first is, I think it's a really logical extension of the work we did last week on the equity policy directive. This is sort of a first concrete step immediately after that to really um, move to make sure that everyone in the community has access to port facilities in the same way, port work in the same way. Uh, second, I would say there's never been a better time to do this. There are technologies that we're already pioneering at the airport that make accessibility um, open to communities that might not otherwise uh, in the past have been able to do that, whether um, because it's now cheap enough to, to roll out in, at scale or because it's open doors through technology to, to means of communication that may not have otherwise been available. Um, the, the third thing I'd say is that I, I think this is of a piece, particularly on the language component, uh, with a, a governing philosophy here, which is that we believe that um, two kind of twin superpowers of the United States are immigration and multiculturalism, that we believe in um, that rather than folks coming and learning this way, that they're able to come and remain who they are and contribute so that we've you know, banished the idea of a melting pot and instead uh, adopted some other metaphor in which everyone gets to continue to inhabit their uh, country of origins, culture, ethnicity, um, and contribute to the, the United States. And that is in fact what's made us so prosperous and innovative and resilient as a country in ways that other industrialized countries uh, don't have the benefit of. And finally, um, as we were first talking about this maybe a month or so ago, or as it first came across um, my radar, uh, it coincided with the death of a longtime disability advocate, Judy Human, who had um, was renowned in New York State, but then um, nationally for her work as an advocate for those who are differently abled. And one of the quotes that came out, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it in front of me, was that the tragedy was not that she was in a wheelchair. It's the tragedy, the tragedy was that places were, uh, did not have the ramps necessary for her to be able to enter them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, what we need to be thinking about is what are the, you know, have we created um, insurmountable <laughs> tragedies that we can uh, ensure will be surmounted by uh, those folks uh, who are differently abled. So, uh, thank you all to the uh, committee members who brought this forward and to staff for putting it all together, and I'm excited to vote for it. Excellent. Thank you, Commissioner Calkins. Um, I'll, I guess I'll close out by providing some thoughts. And, and uh, first of all, my gratitude to Commissioner Mohammed for bringing this forward to the commission, um, and also to Commissioner Hazagawa for pointing out a very, very important nuance to this policy 
pointing out that uh, English of speaker language and, and proficiency are two separate things and that we should look at um, the proficiency side of things. I think I can't think of a better example of how the diversity of this commission right now uh, is helping us make policies and, uh, that are that much more fine-tuned, sharp, and, and, and considerate of everyone and every, uh, every person of different walks of life. You know, I just wanted to share real quickly, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago that I actually had the opportunity to tour the new employee center upstairs on the second floor. Uh, and for those of you who don't know what that is, that is a, that's the center where, where air, when airport employees get onboarded, they go through the security training, they go get their badge, and I think all, we've all been through it, right? Um, and one of the things that was pointed out to me very distinctly at, uh, at that facility was that there are many English of speaker, uh, uh, English uh, speakers of second language. Um, and, um, and, and the reality is that a lot of those folks who go through those trainings fail their badgings because they, that, that the training is only offered mm -hmm. in English. Uh, and it, it's heartbreaking to hear that, right? Uh, because these are uh, immigrants uh, who've come here for economic opportunity um, and the fact that they are not proficient enough in English, uh, you know, is the reason why they can't pass a badging requirement to retain a job at the port is heartbreaking. Um, and uh, I know it's heartbreaking for them. You know, I know that the team has worked hard to provide wraparound services to, 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 to train and to educate uh, these employees. And I, I also understand and appreciate that, um, you know, it's difficult to provide that training, you know, multiple hour trainings, by the way, um, in different languages, in all different languages, right? Um, and so I appreciate this order mainly because I think this assessment and the report that comes out of it will hopefully provide us with a blueprint how we can, on how we can lower the barrier, uh, because obviously we pride ourselves as an agency that promotes economic opportunity. Um, and in doing that, we need to break down barriers to those opportunities. And I think language access is extremely important. Um, and we've, we've done things, you know, uh, outside of this order that I think have helped tremendously as well. As you know, when, uh, when I first joined the port, we had these new uh, anti-human trafficking signs that were put all over the port in all the most common speaking language. And so, um, you know, I think that we were treaded this way. Uh, I, I love that we are putting in a pen to paper and putting in our policy so that uh, we can make a more holistic change as an organization. And so I want to thank you again, Commissioner Mohammed, um, and uh, also to Bukta, Tyler, and the whole OEDI and external relations, quite frankly, who will be doing a lot of the work to implement this stuff on the public facing side. Um, and so I am very excited to wholeheartedly vote in favor of this. So, with that, hearing no further questions for this item, is there a motion and a second? So moved. All right, the motion was made and seconded. Clerk Hart, please call the roll for the vote. Commissioners, please say aye or nay when your name is called. Thank you, beginning with Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Hoskawa. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you, and Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you, four ayes, zero nays for this item. Excellent, the motion passes. Great work, everyone, congratulations. We are now moving on to item 11 presentations and staff reports. Clerk Hart, please read the next item into the record. Executive Director Metric, then we'll then introduce the item. Thank you, this is agenda item 11A, Sustainable Century and Fly Quiet Awards. Commissioners, 
<clears throat> in honor of Earth Day coming up on April 22nd, Port staff are pleased to announce the winners of the Port's 2022 Sustainable Century Awards for Aviation and Maritime Divisions. These awards recognize our customers, tenants, nonprofits, and partners for outstanding accomplishments in the areas of environment and sustainability. Award winners serve as role models and demonstrate exceptional leadership in helping the port achieve our sustainability goals set forth in our century agenda. The port will host an awards luncheon on June 1st, honoring awardees and celebrating their accomplishments. All commissioners are invited to join the celebration then. Similarly, we are pleased to recognize this year's winners of the port's Fly Quiet Awards. This program celebrates airlines, airlines for their efforts to reduce operational noise at SEA. The annual Fly Quiet Awards were developed by port staff and a citizen advisory committee in 20, uh, 2005 to increase airline and pilot awareness of aircraft noise impacts on local communities. They're a key part of our multifaceted effort to reduce the impact of airport and aircraft operations on local residents. The presenters this afternoon are Sandra Kilroy. I see, oh, there you are, Sandy. Sandra Kilroy, Senior Director, Environment, Sustainability, and Engineering. Jane Duell, uh, Senior Manager, Environmental Programs, Stormwater Utility. Uh, Jeremy Webb, uh, Environmental Program Manager, Aviation, Environment, and Sustainability. And Sarah Cox, Director, Aviation, Environment, and Sustainability. So, Sandra, I'll turn it over to you first. Thank you, uh, Executive Director Metric, and good afternoon, Commissioners. Uh, I am so pleased to be opening um, uh, the announcement of this year's Sustainable Century Awards and Fly Quiet Awards. Um, the port is dedicating significant resources under your leadership to ensure that our maritime and aviation operations are sustainable, resilient, and equitable. Um, you can go to the first slide. Uh, we aim uh, to transform our local industry, and not just that, but at the same time galvanize national and international action. Uh, but this is a heavy lift. We know it's a heavy lift, and we know we can't achieve significant environmental benefits alone. So working collaboratively with others is a key strategy for success, and recognizing other organizations' efforts is a key part of that strategy. So since 2010, we have been recognizing aviation and maritime customers, tenants, nonprofits, partners uh, for their outstanding accomplishments in the areas of environment, sustainability, noise, and just recently, um, equity. The Sustainable Century Awards reflect a deep alignment with our Port Century Agenda goals and our Port values. And next slide. So these are our award winners. Um, these are the organizations that demonstrate action and showcase progress. Um, these awards are both nomination-based, uh, based on environmental practices that were implemented by the organizations, and also at the airport, these awards include achievement-based awards that utilize actual data from airport operations and flight systems to recognize airline efforts to reduce uh, emissions. Uh, so I'm going to give you a quick preview before we go into more detail. So for aviation, we are excited to recognize um, HMS Host uh, in the area of waste reduction, Uber for their support of electric vehicle use, uh, Southwest Airlines for ground power and preconditioned air use, 
Delta Airlines for their use of fuel-efficient aircraft. On the maritime side, we are recognizing lineage uh, for energy efficiency work, the Seattle Aquarium for their kelp research, and the Environmental Coalition of South Seattle for education and outreach. Additionally, later in our presentation, we'll be um, announcing uh, the Fly Quiet Award winners uh, for the airline noise reduction efforts. These uh, award winners, as Executive Director Metrics um, mentioned, serve as important role models. Um, and they demonstrate exceptional leadership in their area. And we, um, one part of these awards is to showcase these and help um, share what, you know, one from one business to another, from one organization to another, what can be done and um, share that work and share that information. Um, these, these organizations set an example um, for sustainable practices in our region, and I certainly want to extend my thanks to the businesses and organizations uh, that are um, receiving these awards. Uh, we are going to provide more detail on what each of these organizations did to earn uh, this recognition, and we're first going to focus on the maritime side, and I will pass it to Jane Duell, who is online. Thank you, Sandy. Good afternoon, Executive Director and Commissioners. Oh, next. Oh, you did. Thank you. Um, yeah, the Maritime Environmental Performance Award goes to Lineage Logistics. They had invested ambitious energy savings and will, that will result in energy use reduction of 1.2 million kilowatt hours per year when compared with performance of their old versus their new equipment. Examples of what they did include installing LED lighting in two buildings that they lease at the port's Terminal 91 facility that include automatic sensors and adjust lighting via motion sensors. They also added new rail dock doors and high-speed roll-up doors on their cold storage areas. These doors help to reduce energy loss from freezers, which must be maintained at a temperature of negative 15 degrees Fahrenheit. And the third thing that they've done is added new variable frequency drive compressors. There's an example in the photo, and new evaporators. This equipment adjusts to demand as needed and no longer runs 24-7 at 100%. The um, organization lineage also established a zero carbon footprint goal by 2040, which is 10 years earlier than Washington state mandates for greenhouse gas reductions. In summary, Lineage Logistics provides an excellent model of environmental performance for energy programs that are relevant to fishery and other maritime industrial businesses in the Puget Sound region and beyond. Next. So the nonprofit ECOS um, is being awarded for environmental education and outreach and for equity, diversity, and inclusion. This nonprofit organization initiated and led two notable education outreach programs in 2022. These programs supported outdoor education and sustainable natural resource awareness among black, indigenous, and people of color, as well as immigrant and refugee communities in King County. One program um, included transit to parks outings to Little Mount Sai, and the photo in the slides is of the out Little Mount Sai Outlook. They collaborated with Washington Trails Association, the Wilderness Society, and King County Metro and Parks Departments. 
This program introduced over 66 community members aged 4 to 50 plus to the possibilities of hiking in regional natural areas using transit. ECOS provided support via multilingual and multicultural experience that was beneficial for the participants. The second program that we um, evaluated included adopting and caring for habitat restoration site at Seward Park. This was in collaboration with Mountains to Sound Greenway Trust, Green Seattle Partnership, and Seward Park Audubon Center. The program included over 40 participants for two restoration events that involved plant removal, education and nature walks, and introducing native species to heal the land. In addition to ECOS being an excellent example for environmental education outreach, these programs exceeded the criteria for equity, diversity, and inclusion recognition. And our third Maritime Award, next, goes to the Seattle Aquarium for their Urban Kelp Research Project. In addition to being a fun aquarium to visit, they conduct important marine research. Bull kelp populations, which are important ecosystems um, in the Puget Sound, have experienced decline and resurgence in various areas of the Sound. Aquarium scientists use three innovative elements to better understand and share their kelp their kelp research. The first was remotely operated or ROV survey methodology. That's in the photo with two of their researchers. Using ROV in place of divers, they expanded the area and amount of video data gathered in marine ecosystems to document kelp, invertebrate, and fish abundance, and improved field methods to survey kelp. A second element was artificial intelligence analysis. The large amount of video imagery collected by ROV is processed using two AI algorithms that analyze for types of marine life and percent coverage and can generate orders of magnitude more data compared to traditional methods. And their third method was open access research. They share their research methods and findings with the greater Puget Sound community and beyond, which helps to advance bulk help and other marine ecosystem research and ensures conservation and restoration programs are effective and efficient. In addition to these research advances, the KELP project received an honorable mention for equity, diversity, and inclusion for its partnership with Sea Potential LLC, which exposes black, indigenous, and people of color communities to maritime careers. With that, I'm passing to Jeremy Webb. Good afternoon. Thank you, Jane. Um, hello, Executive Director Metric and Commissioners. Jeremy Webb, Environmental Program Manager with Aviation Environment and Sustainability. Um, we're happy to be here today. Again, as Sandy said and everyone else mentioned earlier, this is an opportunity for us to really highlight and showcase all the folks that we depend on to meet these goals. Um, and it's another great example of all the innovation and hard work that's being done outside of our own offices. So we're really happy to celebrate. We'll start off. The first uh, award winner that we're recognizing is HMS Host under the Environmental Innovation and Performance categories. In particular, we're really focused on their innovative partnership with us to explore options for single-use plastics reduction, uh, reducing cooking oil, and other waste. Um, over the past year, beginning in May, uh, we reached out to Host and invited them to participate in a pilot project to essentially test the sale of alternative plastic beverage containers within the terminal. Uh, the idea was to gain some understanding of customer demand, availability, and performance characteristics of different options, and just to see how things would sell. Um, uh, so far, the, con 
the program is continuing underway. We've been excited by some of the findings that we've uncovered, and we're looking forward to sharing that with you in the future. But it all hinged on cooperation of our concessions. And HOST was one of the first to jump at this and recognize that we have mutual goals in these areas, and we want to work together to find partnerships and solutions towards these common efforts. So we're, we're thrilled that they jumped on board. We're really excited about their effort. One thing they did note, too, is throughout this pilot project, they developed a national partnership with an aluminum bottled beverage container provider and are now offering that in all of their casual and quick serve restaurants. So another great uh, byproduct of the pilot project that continues. In addition, uh, Host has been using a very innovative uh, used cooking oil filtration and recycling system. Um, the port provides a system already for our tenants, uh, but frankly, HMS host system is a bit more efficient and something that we're hoping to learn from and take some benefits from. Um, they basically extend the life of their product, uh, saving over 12,000 pounds of used oil, end up recycling about 28,000 pounds of that oil into biodiesel, and also relieve pressure on our own system, which as we bounce back from pandemic um, drops in activity, you know, we're, we're reaching some of those capacity constraints at different times. So this is a win-win across the board for all of us. Uh, and finally, you know, HOST has been a long-standing partner with regards to waste reduction practices. I think they understand, uh, like many of our concessions, that one of the big impacts they have in our terminals comes to operational waste, uh, and they make big efforts to reduce that, whether it's at their commissary off-site or in their in-terminal uh, tenants' uh, spaces. You know, that includes recycling pallets, uh, recycling electronics, um, using other uh, alternative products that are more readily re recoverable, like compostable bioplastic straws, uh, and also participating in our ongoing food donation program. So we are ex especially grateful to HMS hosts for all of their accomplishments and just want to recognize their, um, their awards. We look forward to celebrating with them in June at the luncheon. Next slide. So the other award that we're going to be providing today for the aviation side is the transportation network company, Uber. Uh, in particular, under the environmental performance category for their advancing in electric vehicle use and expanding access to EVs for drivers here at SEA. Um, EV use is expanding across the country, uh, but what we've heard from Uber and what we've seen is that it is indeed expanding, especially here at SeaTac. Uh, in 2022, one of the key metrics that they shared with us and we've verified is that they have expanded EV rideshare trips at the airport um, nearly 300% or tripling those up to 8.5% this year, uh, a banner year for the growth in EV rideshare trips here at SEA. In addition, by expanding EV use, we're lowering emissions and that's verified through an eKPI score, which is our emissions key performance indicator, uh, which was reduced 17%. Um, saving 2.5 million pounds of carbon dioxide in 2022 between quarters two and four. So again, great opportunities for electrification, reduction in carbon, and another element that they really like to highlight and we're very proud of is their, offer, their work to expand access to EVs for drivers. One of the key things they highlight is a national partnership with the Hertz Rental Car Program where they provide weekly rentals of Tesla EVs to drivers at discounted prices. Uh, this is available locally at the SeaTac location, but it's also available in Seattle and other major cities nationwide. Um, and to date, they've had 50,000 EV rentals, 24 million trips, and over 260 million miles, all electric. In addition to this and other key accomplishments that I've mentioned, there's a whole range of efforts that Uber is being recognized for, including driver discounts for EV charging, financial incentives for EV trips, 
in-app resources to help drivers locate charging stations and find um, resources to make the transition to EVs. Also continuing to expand customer offerings like Uber Green and Comfort Electric that provide both dedicated EV and EV hybrid options for customers. And then continuing to support equitable access to charging stations through lobbying and support for the U.S. Department of Transportation. Next slide, please. So shifting away from our nomination-based awards, uh, we have two airlines that we want to highlight for our measurement-based awards. And as Sandy mentioned earlier, these are based on our ground use data systems and our flight operations data. So we essentially, at the end of the year, measure the performance of these uh, airlines at, air at the airport for various categories and determine who is the highest and most consistent user of these awards. So in the category of greatest use of airport ground power and preconditioned air, Southwest Airlines is winning this again. Uh, they were here last year. Uh, this year, their performance metrics have improved. And we also want to point out that last year we had uh, a solid chunk of data, but this year we have a complete full year. So this is a, a great validation of the accomplishments that they've had last year, and it really highlights the fact that their ground crew teams are absolutely amazing when it comes to connecting and staying connected to these systems. So for ground power, they connect 92% of the time for operations and stay connected 81% of the time. For our preconditioned air systems, they connect to 65% of operations and stay connected 75% of their turn time. So congratulations again to Southwest Airlines for their accomplishments. Next slide. And so the other measurable uh, award that we provide for airlines is the highest percentage use of fuel efficient aircraft. Delta Airlines again wins this prize, this award this year, excuse me, uh, with 25% of their SeaTac operations using, using highly fuel efficient aircraft. And this includes primarily within their fleet, the Airbus A220s, the A321neos, A330neos, and A350s. Uh, last year, or I should say, compared to the other uh, high-performing elements um, or in their competition category, other operators received closer to 17%. Uh, and I will point out that last year, uh, Delta was somewhere closer to 16%, so they've made a significant improvement over last year. The other carriers as well have also made a significant improvement. They were closer to 7%, just behind Delta. So again, congratulations to Delta, to Southwest, to HMS Host, and to Uber. For the aviation side, we're proud to recognize these award winners and look forward to celebrating with them at the awards luncheon June 1st. And with that, I will turn it over to Sarah Cox. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. I'm Sarah Cox, the Director of Aviation Environment Sustainability. Good afternoon, Executive Director Metric and Commissioners. So I'm here on behalf of Tom Fagerstrom, our interim uh, noise program manager. He happens to be at a FAA noise forum today, uh, so I get the honor of announcing the awards. Uh, so our Fly Quiet program has been in implementation since 2005, and it annually honors three, three airlines for their noise reduction achievements during the previous year of operations. So the goal of this program is to increase pilot and airline awareness of noise impacts and to encourage airlines to operate their most modern and quiet aircraft at SEA. So two of the annual Fly Quiet Awards are given for achieving the highest noise reduction scores based upon four criteria. Low noise levels of takeoffs and landings, high compliance with noise abatement flight procedures, so staying on the pres prescribed flight path, 100% compliance with SEA ground maintenance engine run-up rules, 
And lastly, our low levels of noise exceedances during late night hours at SEA. Next slide, please. So the first of these award winners is Air Canada. We appreciate that Air Canada operated only the newest generation of aircraft at SCA in 2022. Air Canada operated the quiet Airbus A220 as well as the Airbus A320neo. And they have remarkably low levels of takeoff noise versus their competitors. They also flew the noise abatement flight procedures accurately and consistently throughout the year. So we would like to congratulate Air Canada and thank them for their diligence on complying with our flight operation requirements. Next slide, please. I'd also like to acknowledge Frontier Airlines. They operate modern and quiet A320neos and are remarkably quiet during takeoff compared to other domestic carriers. They flew the, night, the noise abatement procedures very well and are a strong competitor for this award year after year. They've won this award many times and we truly appreciate their commitment to quiet operations on modern aircraft at SEA. Next slide, please. Our third winner for the Fly Quiet Award goes to Alaska Airlines. In 2022, Alaska undertook a significant commitment toward upgrading their fleet from older models to newer and quieter aircraft. They retired all 30 of their remaining older A320s and replaced them with the much quieter 737 MAX 9. As our busiest carrier at SCA, this type of substantial and positive change lessens noise for our local communities and embodies the aspirations of the Fly Quiet program. I would also just like to acknowledge that even though this is not directly um, associated with the Fly Quiet program, I would like to acknowledge um, Alaska's contributions to the SEA Stakeholder Advisory Roundtable, START. They are often um, a contributor to the topics and discussions at hand and uh, I just would like to appreciate or acknowledge their effort towards this. Next slide, please. So as uh, we kicked off this presentation, you know, we are having a Sustainable Century and Fly Quiet Award winners luncheon that will be on June 1st from 12 to 1.30, and we hope that you are all there to join us. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you so much to uh, Sandra, Jane, Jeremy, and Sarah for the presentation. I'll open up to comments and questions from commissioners at this time. Please let me know if you would like to speak. Nope. Commissioner Calkins. Uh, I'm excited to hear that um, we're getting to do these uh, awards in person again, in actual events. Uh, I was able to participate uh, pre-pandemic and found it to be a really it was a great opportunity to see the pride in um, the people who work for these companies, to see that they're part of something bigger than um, just the bottom line uh, financially for their companies. And so I'm glad that we get to step up and be a third party that says good on you guys and keep up the good work. So thank you for all the effort to put these together. And, and uh, it was fun to read through these this last weekend to see who would... I kept my mouth shut. I didn't <laughs> announce any of them ahead of you. But uh, congratulations to all the companies. Commissioner Mohammed. Yeah, I echo those same sentiments. Congratulations to all the recipients of the Sustainable Century Award and Fly Quiet Award. Um, this, the work that they're doing is a great example of where we need to be 
and how we need to accelerate for a more sustainable future. And so um, to all those companies, I say keep up that work and um, we appreciate the partnership that we have with them. Um, I did have one question. My question is uh, surrounding the Fly Quiet Award. Do each airline submit um, information to you all? Like how, do, how does, could you maybe explain the selection process a little bit? Yeah, for the different criteria of the first two awards, um, it's a combination of our monitors that we have on site um, and also our tracking of, of the flight pass and the procedures. So it's data that is available, that is collected. It's all available on our website. Uh, we report this out quarterly, um, all, all of the results. So it's something that we track. Regularly. But they're not submitting nominations for it, right? Are they? Are the airlines opting into it to be uh, no, considered? No, it is something that, that we track we're for all airlines. Okay. Correct. That's that's helpful to know. Again, congratulations to all the recipients, and thank you to all to all of the port staff who worked on this. Yeah, and I'll just close by also congratulating our award recipients. I'm looking forward to uh, the June 1st uh, reception where we'll be able to celebrate all their accomplishments. All right, so uh, I believe that concludes our business meeting agenda for the day. Uh, are there any closing comments at this time or motions relating to committee referrals from commissioners? No? Oh man, we're about to set a record. Executive Director, any uh, closing comments from you today? Uh, no, Commissioners, I appreciate your uh, your thoughts and your feedback on the language access and where we're taking that and then, and all the leadership on that, taking this forward. I think that's really important mm -hmm. work here that's gonna inform all that we do. And, and uh, thank you. Yeah, actually I forgot to mention, I meant to mention uh, on the language access order that uh, people don't know this about me. You know, one fact that people don't know about me was that I was actually ESL in elementary school. I was not, I was not always this master of the English language. Uh, through third grade, uh, I was put in ESL because my English, I was told my English was not good enough to be in class with the rest of the kids. And so I used to spend half my days in this portable with a uh, English instructor. And so if there is ever an exhibit one of what's possible when we provide these resources uh, to people who are not just immigrants, but the son of immigrants, quite frankly, you know, people think that it's just immigrants who can't speak English. But when I grew up, we didn't speak English in the household because my parents were immigrants. And so I grew up uh, speaking Korean in the house and my English was very lacking. And um, it was because of those resources that the school district put in that, uh, you see the intellectual giant before you today. <laughs> so um, I uh, am, again, really grateful for <laughs> your great work. <laughs> um, and so with that, if there are no further comments and having no further business, if there is no objection, we are adjourned at 1.14 p.m. Thank you, everyone.